Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. Throw your dollar bills at me. My name's Aaron Kemp, that is Will Mjord, and how are you going tonight, Will? Gets me in the mood for a big episode, mate. <laughs> oh, I don't know about you, I'm excited. Uh, that is good. I am a bit quiet. I'm not drinking any alcohol tonight. Uh, so I don't know how this is going to go. Perfectly, I would say, but uh, you just never know. Yeah, look, it definitely does go both ways with you. There's some of your best gear when <laughs> when you're on it, and you also have had a tendency to just kind of fade away down the back stretch <laughs> when when you've tucked into a few. So who well, knows? I overcooked it completely where I can't <laughs> even remember my own name. So that's good. Tonight is the SEC preview. Uh, we've, we're going to hear all the teams, obviously, in one of the biggest, if not the biggest, college conference. Uh, so, you know, a, a big one for us. I have got a few takeaways before we do actually get to that, and we've got a few things we need to hit as well. Firstly, Vault Studio Podcast, we're a part of that particular group, for mob. Uh, crew. I don't know. Crew? Are we a crew? I don't think we're a crew. No, I don't, I don't know. Crew. I feel like you need a graffiti something to be a crew, and I don't think that's us. Yeah. We need someone to be wearing like a beanie almost off their head, but it's still slightly on. My um, my pants are quite baggy. That's that's good. Most clothes are baggy on you, but anyway. Um, like skins when you run around at footy training are baggy on you. Uh, the other thing that is worth noting, and supporters of the, of the show is Burnley Brewing, so make sure you head down to Burnley Brewing and, and grab yourself, I don't know, what are we in, like IPA season, I suppose, as, as the weather starts to edge towards spring? Um, you know, you're probably into maybe a couple of dark lagers, things like that. Um, but Burnley Brewing, uh, your one-stop shop for all your craft brewing needs. As the price of beer shoots astronomically north and to the point where, you know, I, I just can't afford to drink anymore. Hence, why we're having a, uh, a quieter night for this SEC preview. Really? So that's the reason behind it. It's, uh, it's out of necessity. I'm sorry to hear that, uh, but that's a good call Time out to, to other sponsors out there that, uh, you know, <laughs> if we can look after my, my man here. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be beer. Uh, he also drinks other booze, so, <laughs> you know, hit us up. This is, this is a wobbly start. So let's crack on here. Uh, a little bit of news. I, I know you don't have probably much interest in, in either, either of these two stories, but... Uh, Big Ten students, as in student athletes, have come out and said that they would like a percentage of the new TV deal, which you're going to be all over this, but when is that due to be signed by the Big Ten? Do you know when theirs comes I'm back up I'm not sure again? when the Big Ten comes up, but this to I me is just... them all off by heart. Oh, mate, it's, it's kind of like one of those things, like our half-yearly results came out at work. They were quite, quite favourable, made a lot of money. I'd like a bigger piece of that. Like, a, can I try and negotiate that in my contract? It just ain't going to happen. Like, good on you. Yeah, I, I want more money too. Ain't happening. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it probably won't in this case. And the real reason for that, if there is a, a proper reason, because footy football players probably have an argument, like the NFL, there's the collective bargaining agreement, which says that any kind of media rights... Um, money or revenue that is acquired through the NFL that players are entitled to that and they do get a kickback of that however in the college sports there's a few issues here and firstly majority of schools don't actually make any money from sport so uh, you know yes the Big Ten cool but Rutgers isn't profitable 
from an athletic standpoint. So, yeah, they want to get paid. Who's actually paying them? Because it, it can't be Rutgers. They don't, they're not earning any money out of sport because of Title IX and their obligation to support uh, other athletic pursuits at the school. So, yeah, I think this one's dead before it starts. But I understand the premise of it. I just don't think it's going to gain any traction. Yeah, the premise, people want to get more money for their stuff. I mean, that's that's a pretty tried and true premise out there. It's just <laughs> how successful people have been over the years as to whether that's going to happen. And also, like, I feel like they're not coming from a point of leverage. Like, they're talking about potentially going on strike and not playing. Bullshit. That won't happen. There may be a few kids going to be able to do that, but there is this... It, kind of speaks to that whole unionized piece until there is like a, a union in place to, to enact mass change on that level something like this won't happen it'd be interesting if they did walk like if you did get a big bulk walk away like the big 10 cannot afford for their players to walk away that's that's how this slave system works mate you, you know. i would love it to be the first year that usc and ucla go over there so then they just rock up with like their bags and shit and there's just like empty stadiums <laughs> no like, one what there. Good. Uh, anything else interesting happened in the college football world that you are aware of? I got nothing to add, mate. I'm I'm just so far into researching these teams and looking into this stuff at the moment. I'm not trying to buy into the camp hype and stuff like that. Same with the NFL camp. Like it's short of major injuries that come out, you just can't read into all of this shit. You you just there's so much murkiness and cliches that get thrown around you just can't buy into it so maybe maybe there's a few things that pop up but there's been nothing that's jumped out at me yeah that's kind of a good segue into my next point and that is it doesn't matter how much research we do and this is different in the professional level i think because at the professional level you can see rosters you can see sort of progression people are there for longer periods of time the turnover is far less than at college football level so when it comes to college football and previewing teams i've come to the conclusion i think i came to this conclusion last year really but i know nothing i actually don't know anything about these teams really i don't feel like i do uh i don't know any of the players i'm a, i'm dumb enough as it is uh, so I really need to lean into your knowledge here and your ability to predict not winning teams because that hasn't been your strength <laughs> over the course of this um, now five-year journey. But, you know, it, it's really like we can make general statements. Yeah, Texas A&M will be good because of their current recruiting class. Like we can make statements like that if we want to cool like whatever you know george's defense is going to be good because they were good last year well maybe but it's just stupid to i guess beat to death these rhetorics or rhetorics um of you know certain viewpoints and stances when we just don't know yet you are doing a good job of selling us so first time listeners thanks thanks Mm -hmm. for joining uh check out now I, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure the angle that you're going for here. Maybe it is that we don't know what we're talking about, but there's some witty banter. Because even yeah, then, I, I think that, that's a stretch, yeah, right? Mm, yeah, and fair. Very fair. <laughs> I mean, we know bits, and I guess we know bits and pieces. We just don't know the personalities yet. We don't know the personalities of these teams. We don't know how a particular offensive coordinator is going to settle into the year. Uh, we don't know if we're going to have a Jimbo Fisher meltdown just yet. And it's these stories and these developments that occur within the first two or three or four weeks that I'm like, yeah, now I've got a feel for this team's personality. Most of the time, having said all this, most of the time, our previews have been relatively accurate. I, I say, and that is certainly a relative term. You know, 
Uh, were Ohio State's receivers really good last year? Yes, not a surprise. Okay, were you know Lincoln Riley's offense at Oklahoma? Yeah, that put up good numbers again. Some of these things are really really obvious. Uh, it's you know when we are digging a little bit deeper, what can we unearth that is of real key value? Do we think moving forward in the season? I will counter you with a couple of points here. I think firstly, not everyone is is digging as deep as we are and maybe they don't see it as obvious so so the casual fans out there maybe they're dialing into the show so that we can give them some of this obvious stuff and they can take away with that and and know a little bit more about it so there is that i think you've taken some of the stuff that we do for granted especially to the australian audience there's not too many nufties who are into it as much as we are uh the, the second mm. point is i think it's part of the the charm of all of it in, in the yeah, you, oh, you really don't know and and that's why I, I really enjoy this time of year every year of, of breaking it down because there is so much turnover there, there's new coaches new schemes new players standing into key roles you, you kind of need to make some judgment and then it's a bit of fun to see how that plays out and 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 whether you are on point or you got it hilariously wrong which which both both happens and you only remember the good stuff Exactly. I'm trying to think that what we've got significantly wrong. Like, I remember you picked Stanford being good. I picked Nebraska making the being okay one year. I picked Washington to be good last year, though, and they lost to Montana. <laughs> so, Out the gate. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. So, I mean, we have had our, our misses, that's for sure. Anyway. I did say Georgia let- would win it last year. So, kind of from, from the get go in, in this episode last year. So yeah, you did win. too. Let's see. Let's see then where you go with your pick in the SEC. So let's actually open with that, shall we? Let's go in a bit of a different direction. Before we preview the teams, who is your pick for the SEC this year? We're going off the bat right into it. I, off the look, bat, as we go, and at a general level, I am usually one to to bash the SEC. I wouldn't call myself an SEC hater, but I like to play contrarian in the fact that everyone kind of pumps them up. Everyone being ESPN, really all about it, and it, like it, it kind of grates on you a little bit because you're like, yeah, we know they're good, but they're not that great, and I think you know they they get overhyped. This year, however, looking through the teams, I'm quite bullish on on the majority of them. Like in in the last episodes that we've done, I felt like the Big Twelve there was kind of a couple of teams that you liked, but no real standouts. Uh, the Pac-12 was just trash all over the place. It was like we oh, like Utah, easy, and then easy. look. I was finding it hard to find wins amongst the teams. Like it just really, I didn't feel good about a lot of it. I've looked through the SEC and I feel really good about a lot of these programs. So I feel in a little bit unusual space because I like to hate on them. But looking Mm. down at it, there's reason for optimism for so many programs here. So you'd be pumped up. There's a long way of saying, with all that said, Alabama is still going to win it. I think think they're the team that, uh, even though Georgia got the job done last year, obviously ended up winning the national title. Alabama, for me, unreal. Okay, so just coming back a half step to you, I 100% agree, again, that I think there's a lot of seven-win teams in the SEC this year, and uh, I I tend to agree with you. I think the middle class is actually pretty good, and there's not too many absolute disasters. The one thing that has shown uh, shown up in the SEC this year is that quarterback competitions are rife throughout the conference i think that was the big takeaway from from the research for me and looking at these teams and just thinking about rosters and how they're made up is 
there's a lot of quarterback battles going into camp and there's a lot of conferences that are, are like that there's there's probably one that isn't but certainly this year there's a lot of unknowns at the quarterback position and and, and the game is run through yep. that position so it's really again hard to predict what the sec is going to look like but coming full circle let's jump back onto the alabama bandwagon why not everybody else is but do they deserve this national title favoritism that they are receiving in droves from the national media well yeah they're red hot favorites uh to win the national title at the moment and I tend to agree with it. Now, by Red Hot, they're at like 253 bucks or whatever that is. And, and that's quite short when you consider that there's 130 teams across the Div 1 program. Like, but these guys are that good. They, they are returning one of the best offensive players, the reigning Heisman player in Bryce Young. So the best player. On the offensive side of the ball, defensively, they've obviously got Will Anderson coming back who is considered to be one of the best defensive players. But it's not just two stars. They've got players all over the field. They went to the transfer portal. Nick Saban warned the college football world that the transfer portal may not be the evener that we think it is, and it, and it is going to have repercussions. They've gone in there, and they've cherry-picked out some, some pretty handy players there. So they've grabbed Jamar Gibbs out of Georgia Tech, who's a fantastic running back there, to fill a bit of a hole for them, uh, plug that hole, and, and he's going to do work in this um, lineup here. They've gone and got, uh, who was the receiver that they grabbed there, mate? Jermaine Burton from Georgia. Jermaine Burton from Georgia, which is a handy little get there. Uh, Tyler Harrell out of Louisville, uh, another one that they pulled in. And then on the defensive side, they got uh, Eli Ricks, who was like one of the top five defensive backs in the country out of rival conference rival LSU's hands over to the team there so these guys have done so well in bringing in elite talent to positions of need not that these guys really have much in terms of positions of need because the recruiting that they bring in everyone every year is so high that uh, this team for me I don't know where the weakness is I think they deserve to be favorite to win it I, I have one team beating them in in my overall projection but i i can see why they are favorite to win it all i think they do have a weakness this year and i don't think you have a weakness you must if you bring in a running back which uh, alabama's had so much success recruiting that position recently and to bring in a running back and then have that guy be a walk-up starter and then same at the receiver position a guy that and I know different offense in Georgia, but Jermaine Burton wasn't setting the world on fire in any way um, for the Bulldogs. And he comes across, there's no Devonta Smith, there's no Henry Ruggs, there's no Jerry Judy, there's no Amari Cooper. We're not sure who these guys are. Corey Brooks is the young and unproven guy. He got bullied in uh, the national championship game when Jamison Williams went out. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit of wait and see on, on the skill position side. Having said that, You've got the best quarterback in the country. Um, you've got an O-line that's not going to have too many issues. And don't like these guys are talented. And Ja'Cory Brooks is a year older. You've got Trey Sanders is the running back who's a former five-star behind um, Jameer Gibbs. So it's not like they're lacking talent. It's just there's a difference between talent and then actually producing on the field. And again, I'm not saying it's truly a weakness. But if there is a little question mark in a very faint 
pencil, um, then you know it, to me it's that wide receiver position. The defense is going to be awesome. Maybe the best defense in the country. I think their back end is crazy good. Jordan Battle, McKinstry, uh, Malachi Moore, who may be the best safety in the country, and then Eli Ricks on the other side um, as well at that cornerback position. Uh, and I think <laughs> that's the other thing is if there are issues at the wide receiver running back position for the first few weeks, it doesn't matter because the defense will keep them in games, probably score enough as it is anyway. So yes, we could see some offensive sputtering, but I don't think it's going to be enough to cause super issues. Um, and the, I do see a world where the offense just struggles to get going. It costs them a win. But again, so rarely in the Saban era do we see a second loss in the same season. In fact, he's only lost 15 games in his 11 years at Alabama. So, And, and if there is a loss here, which is nuts, if there is a loss here, where is it? Because the schedule's not that easy. You tell me what this looks. So resurgent Texas out the gate, Utah State, LSU, Ole Miss, and Tennessee are all on the road. Um Oh, sorry, Ole Miss and Tennessee, LSU, Ole Miss and Tennessee on the road. That's not that easy. And then Texas A&M, who got them last year. I don't know, maybe maybe Texas, and again, I'm don't, not believing in Texas, but just if the offense is a little bit scrappy getting out the gate, maybe Texas get them, and then maybe they lose one in conference as well, and all of a sudden you do have the two losses. But I don't truly believe the words coming out of my mouth there. Yeah, look, it ain't going to be Texas week one. They win that by more than two scores comfortably. And then from there, absolutely, it's the SEC. It's the SEC West. There's good teams every week it's going to be tough to come up against. So I wouldn't pencil in any of those. I think they go in as a strong favourite in all of them. Uh, And in terms of the skill position, this is Alabama you're talking about. I I, I don't have those worries just based off of history. If you can point to a season where they had a a down year, the only reason that these guys haven't showed out yet is through opportunity. I'm not saying it'll be a down year. I just think maybe there's a game or two. And that's all you need at the college level where they just don't look as clean. Again, is it going to cost them their season? Probably not, but they could be a situation. I mean, we saw it in the national championship game, right? I actually think Alabama was probably the best team last year, but you get some injuries at that wide receiver position and things look thin pretty quickly. If that happens again, if you get COVID at the wrong time, I just I think there is a situation where that happens. They don't look like that Devonta Smith, Henry Ruggs um, national championship team was unbelievable. Unbelievable. They're not that. That's I guess that's my point. So they're I think they're gettable if you need everything to come up your way, and that includes some injury luck, and it includes probably some illness and maybe a meteorite landing somewhere yeah. near Tuscaloosa. Oh, and like it's, it's college football. You need luck, but what they do have on their side is Bryce Young. Like you can continue to go back. That he's a better quarterback than all of these guys that they've had before them as well. So that helps. Yeah, absolutely. I don't disagree. And I think they go in favorites. I'm just looking for a little chink in the armor. And they're not, they're not the unbeatable team that they were in 2020, no, 2019, 2018, whatever it was. Anyway, let's move on, shall we? Let's head to the other side of the conference and Georgia, Will, you know, former national, or not former national champions, defending national champions, uh, whatever that means. I don't know why you're defending, but anyway, carry on. Uh, what is their likelihood of heading back to the playoff this year? I think it's strong. I, I think it is uh, not a lock, but I would 
be surprised if they don't make it back. I think we're going to see another two SEC teams come in. I think it is going to be Alabama and Georgia again. Uh, Texas A&M are, are kind of trying to vie in there, but Georgia playing on the East, especially this year with Florida being a little bit down, just looks so easy for them. You, you look through their schedule and I can't find where they're going to lose. Like short of the SEC championship game, they're going to be double-digit favourites in almost every one of those games. And Clemson? Yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean... Because I feel like they lose that and then they lose the SEC Championship game. They're probably done. That's fair, but I guess I'm lower on Clemson now. I, yeah, I think they, yeah. are, they are on the decline. Georgia, on the other hand, reigning champs. Yes, they've only, they only bring 10 back, and that is a concern because they lost the first round of the draft. We're essentially all Bulldogs, and I get that. But the other thing to look at that is... They're actually bringing back more production on defense this year than what they were last year, this time last year. So the group that came in hadn't really shown all that much to that point, came in and then they all got themselves a first round draft grade. I think they're in a position to do something similar there. So I'm not immediately detracting them and saying, oh, they're they're not going to be dominant on defense because these guys are in the conversation for having the best defense again with the players that they're going to have around the place. Uh, I think offensively, um, you've got Stetson Bennett back, who whilst he doesn't light the world on fire, he is a very effective quarterback at, at what's required of him. He doesn't turn the ball over. He plays within the system very well, but he can show up and he can make some big plays. And, and when he has been asked to do more, I think he probably gets an unfair rap that that he can't yeah. do it. He's got some awesome weapons uh, at the tight end position in Brock Bowers and Eric Gilbert. Those, those guys mm-hmm. are two of the best. And Washington as well. He's six seven monster. Like, he's spoilt there. Um, They've got uh, Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh, who we don't know at running back yet. Kenny McIntosh, yeah. I mean, he was highly recruited, you know, coming out of South Florida. And and he's um, not a big body guy, but he should be okay. Uh, I yeah, carry on because I'll, I'll have only, my little spit yeah, in a second. I mean, only okay for a Georgia running back. Like this has been a unit that just produces NFL caliber guys consistently. And I'd say the strength of this team this year is going to be the offensive line. So if if you look at that, I think they're going to have probably the best offensive line in the country. That all bodes fairly well for me. I'm quite confident that this Georgia team is going to be. Dominant in the East, they're going to win their way through there, uh, and that they will again be around the mark for that playoff. I disagree. I think this felt a little not like LSU in 2019, but a little lightning in the bottle. Uh, It's you cannot replace five first rounders. Like it just doesn't happen. You don't get those next dudes walking in the door that are the same. Uh, you lose your defensive coordinator, Dan Lanning's off to Oregon, so he's gone as well. Yes, you keep Nolan Smith, I agree with you, and I love Robert Beale at outside linebacker. He's a really, really good one. Not disputing any of that, but you, you lose so much all over the field. Uh, I just don't think it's sustainable in any way. On top of that, you've got Stetson Bennett. Don't rate him as a quarterback, obviously, and your play calling is going to be limited. I know you said you've got NFL running backs 
yeah, they okay, they go to the NFL, but they they're a product of their system. And and the big statement that I've got here around the offense is the offense um, deserves more credit than it gets, but people try to give it more credit than it really deserves. I don't think Stetson Bennett's that good. We saw what happened when um, he he got behind the game and tried to pass his way through it, and he was turning the ball over, and it was ugly. Um, and, you know, his, his national championship game wasn't even that good either. I know he got, like, MVP of the match, which was ridiculous, but he was not the best player on the field, and and he wasn't particularly... Yeah, okay, his last quarter was good, great. But I just think it's a dangerous way to play, and teams will take that tight end position away, providing you've got a matchup, which isn't that easy. But I don't think the running backs, they'll be solid, but not super. And then you don't have heaps at the wide receiver position. Obviously, George Pickens is gone. I know he missed a fair bit last year. Um, and then you lose your other guy to the arch nemesis in Alabama. So I don't see it. Uh, I, I, I think they've got two losses in them. And, you know, I, I'm not a believer in this Georgia team. And I wasn't last year either. I think, you know, as good as that defense was... They didn't finish number one in the country, which I don't really understand how that worked. But, um, you know, I, I still think Alabama was probably the better team last year. And they're not going to... Will they make it back to the playoff? They'll be around the mark, obviously, because I don't think the East is that great. But I'd, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see them miss as well. Okay. So I guess... If you're saying two losses, is that including SEC championships? So one in conference and then the championship game they they, they lose. Or or, or Clemson. Clemson, I could see them Clemson, um, uh, the Clemson game, and then I mean they miss Bama in in conference play. Uh, they could drop one. Some again, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think the way they play the game this year is going to be you sell out and stop the run and you take one pass catcher away. They're not going to have a whole heap on on offense, and I think the defense takes a step back. I think if you score, if you score twenty eight points on this team, if you can score thirty one points, I know that's not going to be easy, but someone that's will do massive it. Massive if these guys gave up ten points a game last year. This is like, not the you, same. You could, it's not the same yeah, defense. It's not. It's not but the you same can defense. take a step back and still be the best defense in the competition. I get that, but someone will get. You only need one team to do it. That's how college football works. You only need one team to get a little funky one week. You know, you score a special teams touchdown, you score on defense, you score twice on offense. All of a sudden, you put 28 points up. I don't know if Georgia is scoring, are, are beating a team in some sort of like crazy shootout. And, and, and they're going to live in that defense run the ball mold. And if they get behind the chains, they get behind the clock, and you're going to force Stetson Bennett to, to pass the ball. Good luck, because we haven't seen him do it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's college football. A bunch of kids running around, but yeah. give me... I mean, they're, the they're, they're one, I guess my, my point is, it feels like they're a one-trick pony. Last year, their trick was amazingly good. But I don't think they've got multiple ways to beat you. And that is what I, I would have concerns about this year with Georgia. I'm, I'm backing in that trick. I'm going to sit there. Backing the in the same one. trick again. Exactly. Tried and Pocket tried. aces. All right. Where do you want to go next? We've gone the two heavyweights. I say heavyweights. They're probably the two winners out of the, the West and East. You pick your poison from here on, mate. Where do you want to go? Uh, let's talk Kentucky football. Kentucky. Wow. Righto. I am not. This is the one team I'm probably not that big on. But 
any chance of them getting to some sort of double-digit win situation? Uh, I mean, so if we new listeners, new to, people new to the sport, Kentucky football, double-digit wins, like you don't have to go back that far to think that's absolutely laughable, right? Like Kentucky football was absolute trash. They were an afterthought. They, basketball school. Basketball school. Like getting to a bowl game was a fantastic achievement. Uh, last They've year, gone to four straight. Last year, double-digit wins. So they had 10 wins on the season, which was a fantastic um, record. And, and they have elevated themselves as a program in this from a recruiting sense. They're doing a lot better. And the performance on the field with uh, what we're seeing uh, and that was it Mark Stoops is able to produce there, fantastic. So uh, I think that they deserve the recognition to to be in that conversation. Now, do I honestly believe that they're going to get there this year? No, I don't. I'm, I'm not a huge believer in uh, Will Levis that uh, most others are. I, I want to Good. believe. I want to believe because he's in that college football player mold that you love to watch. Like he's a big guy, carries a load, likes to run over people from the quarterback position. I love that. Like you love to see it. Cam <laughs> Newton did Kansas it. Tim- State fan. Yeah, I mean Kansas State man. <laughs> absolutely, Kansas State. Uh, well known for for that. It's good fun to watch, and I think I like trying to play it on the old NCAA too with your quarterback, like a big quarterback who run over those. My truck they just stick fumble. never works. They just yeah, fumble like all the time. Works. Need that 99 speed, dude. <laughs> Get so, on the edges. I think uh, that, that I want to like these guys, but it's it's hard to do. And, and they still have gaps that other programs in the SEC don't have. So defensively, I'm a little bit, concerned about regression in that space they've got a number of holes that they need to fill both up front and in the secondary there I think they were solid last year and they relied on that defense and I'm worried if they take a step back that there's going to be some more losses injected on the back of that Um, having Levis back is good but he loses his number one weapon in Wondale Robinson who was a jack of all trades for him went around and and did some amazing stuff Um, but for, for mine, it, it's just everything went really well for them last year to get to that 10-win season. I don't think that happens again. Now, look, they're still going to be good. They're a seven- or eight-win team in my mind, which is fantastic. Again, we're talking Kentucky football. But I just think we see a bit of a regression back from what we saw last year. Chris Rodriguez back? Running back? Yes. He is. I like him. He's good. Uh, but I agree with you. I don't think Will Levis is it. The, I, people want to find and recruiters want to find this like bit of a diamond in the rough, out of the box guy that goes and, you know, he's got plus measurables and, and delivers all of a sudden and turns into that darling that shoots up draft boards. Will Levis is not that guy. He, The offense protects him completely. It's predicated on the run. He can then use one-on-one matchups on the outside. It's half-field reads. It's nothing overly difficult for him and and it's really simplified to allow him um, success uh, in the passing game when he's required to do so but again if you're expecting this dude to show off um, 30 passes a game 40 passes a game it's almost the same take I've got about Georgia the defense I think is going to regress you're limited in what you're going to do on the outside in the passing game Um, and I don't think Will Levis is very good so, yeah, and they haven't recruited. I mean, they've recruited well. Don't get me wrong, actually. For a Kentucky team, their recruiting has been good. But, and, and last year's 
class was exemplary, really. But if you're relying on a freshman class to carry your team, that is not a good idea. And I agree with you. I think Kentucky take a step back. I don't think they're going to do anything uh, particularly damaging this year, except maybe get Florida again. Uh, and last point, Levis puts uh, mayonnaise in his coffee. I saw that and I was D- like, I'm dude's off got the issues. Dude's That's got issues, mate. Yep, agree. Uh, let's stay on that side of the division then. Let's go to Florida um, because I, I do want to talk Florida. I, I know you're a bit of a Gators guy. You always like Tim Tebow, you like Urban Meyer before he went all batshit crazy and started sticking his fingers up young girls' butts. Um, I especially but, liked him after that. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, this Florida team is in an interesting situation because you've got a new coach in town. Uh, Billy Napier is there now. He comes across from Louisiana after a lot of success there. Um, But there's a lot of questions around this program at the moment. And will the wheels completely fall off the Gators and Gainesville as a whole before they even get out of the month of September? Well, there's a good chance that they do, right? And and I am certainly concerned about the start that Napier is going to get off to here because it's not an easy one. So this Florida program went six and seven last year, which is disappointing. And that's why they have a new head man in. Dan Mullins out, Napier's in. Uh, and expectations are high at the Swamp. They, they would be expecting to be competing for the SEC, to be making the playoff, and it just hasn't happened for them of late. If we look to that September run that they've got, we talked about it in our Pac-12 episode, they've got Utah there early. Both you and I are really high on Utah. They're coming in as an experienced team, well-coached, significant player in Cam Rising at the quarterback position, it's, it's not a matchup I want early when I'm trying to settle players in. And, and you talk about Alabama needing to bed people in. Like, they ain't got nothing to worry about compared to this Florida team and, and what needs to happen here. So massive concerns on that one. And then they also get in conference Kentucky and Tennessee on the road early on in that piece. There is a very likely scenario where they drop all three of those games and that there's no recovering from that. And, and that becomes a real blight. Your recruiting becomes more difficult when you're already out of the running in the SEC and, and you need, you're needing to front up to these kids and try and encourage them to come across. It, it, it makes for some very difficult times ahead if they're not able to do it. Now, can they? Absolutely. This is Florida we're talking about. They've, the, the reasons for optimism? Anthony Richardson. I'm going to be watching these games. That Utah-Florida game, I've got circled as one of the most exciting ones to start the season because I'm big on Utah. I think they're going to be awesome. And Anthony Richardson is exhilarating with the ball in Exhilarating. Exhilarating. I love your adjectives, your descriptions of men, young men in, uh, in this podcast is impressive. Uh, yeah. I'll, You're I'll just going to be and... flushed, flushed with adrenaline, engorgement. <laughs> Absolutely, I will be. <laughs> and, and when the listeners dial in, I'm sure they will be too. They're going to be engorged. <laughs> God. Uh, he, he, he was exciting when he was on the field. So last year, he had to split his time with... Uh, the bloke who's bailed on out of there now. Yeah, what's his name? Big fella with dreads. <laughs> Emery Jones. Thank you. Emery Jones. Uh, and it was a bit of an awkward situation that we had there, but every time Richardson was on... <laughs> Big dude with dreads. That's pretty accurate. 
Yes, it is. Uh, uh, he, av- he averaged over eight yards a play. Uh, he, he ran for 400 yards on the ground in, in limited playing time uh, and was responsible for nine touchdowns. Like he, he is an exciting player to watch. So he is someone to be excited about. But on the flip side of that, with that, ex- with that excitement and exhilaration <laughs> comes some concern because what you're not going to get is a steady influence that, you, you can really feel confident in at all given times. Yes, you're going to see some dizzying highs and some awesome stuff, but I think there's going to be some difficulties along that journey too. So that is going to be how Florida are this year. I think they're going to show out. They're going to have some really good moments. They're going to have some good wins, but they're also going to drop some stuff. And, and I also fear that they're going to drop some stuff that perhaps they're not expected to lose. Uh, and, and it's going to make for some tough going early on uh, for this group. Yeah, I'm. I, you know, I'm pretty dialed into Florida, uh, being a, being a Miami fan, and you're sort of hearing bits and pieces. And again, a lot. None of this is really substantiated, so I'm not going to go into the depths um, of of some of the the rumor mill. But the recruiting class this year is still pretty strong. I don't necessarily trust the staff he's put together. They're okay, but you've got a 43 year old first time head coach at the Power Five level. Um, so he's not an old guy by any means, and he, and he hasn't been around the block. And you don't need to have been. We've seen that time and time again. That's not necessarily um, an issue in terms of high-performance uh, play at either the NFL or college level. But recruiting is looking okay, but there's question marks around it. And if, if, uh, if Alabama's question mark was in a uh, maybe like a 2B pencil i don't know what the lightest pencil is but let's go with 2b i don't know much about pencils um but then i'm definitely doing this one far darker the question marks around this program with billy napier yeah he's going to want to run the ball um but i don't necessarily again trust the staff he's got two offensive line coaches he's got a coach of like explosive plays or something like it, it's this it seems a bit cheeseball-y at this point and he's and he's not the only that's not the only coaching position um that's that's a bit weird but again could it be fantastic absolutely but i just don't know what to expect from the gators this year i am less confident anthony richardson he's a runner more than a passer uh and again playing from behind is going to be tough they lost a lot to transfers and yeah i think things are just going to be a little bit tougher than what people expect in the first year for Billy Napier. Uh, I don't think he's going to be quite to the level of um, Harsin or Auburn in terms of almost run out of town in the first year. But if things don't go well early, I can see like pitchforks and flaming torches coming out from the locals of, of Gainesville. And... I don't know what's I don't know what's considered passable in year one. I guess that would be my next question for them: is what's passable? A good recruiting class, let's say like top fifteen recruiting class, and seven wins, eight wins. Like what what ticks the box there in terms of? Yeah, I think I think that does enough. You. I think top twenty recruiting and a bowl berth uh, is is enough. Anything short of that is where you start to really see some concern. The natives won't on. like that though. The natives, oh, of course, they won't, won't like it, like but you'll get by on that. Any less yeah. than that is where you really start to have some concern. Let's uh, keep things moving, but just before yep. we do, uh, I, I'm not sure if you picked up that I've introduced my own uh, coach of explosive comments. So some of the stuff that you're hearing from me is is through that coaching that I've uh, I've taken on. 
it's like the engorgement comment and the exhilaration and the uh, a lot there of you go. Uh, fascination with young men and their male body, the male form. It's it's always your mind that makes it sexual, mate. I'm just I'm not making. To... I'm just repeating back what you said to me. Explosive comments. <laughs> explosive comments. All right. Uh, explosive comments. Let's go. Explosive offenses. Let's head to Oxford and Old Miss. Is this the most interesting team in college football? I would argue yes. I think with what has happened in the offseason, with the head man that they have involved here, and with the potential outcomes that this program could generate this year, I have them as the most interesting team in college football this year. So Lane Kiffin is one of the most interesting characters in all of college football. From his career, his arc, incredible. So what we've seen there... I am already intrigued. You've you've got me hooked. Then if you introduce the fact that they've just gone hard on the transfer portal and they've gone a bit of an alternative route and, and tried to bring in some big names there in all the key positions, really, with, with what they need, they've grabbed um, Jackson Dart out of USC uh, at the quarterback position. So still some question marks there. I, I don't see that as a, a lock star get, but it's a, it's a big name that, that fills some big shoes with what Matt Corral was able to do last year in this uh, offense. So big get there. Zach Evans, TCU, one of the best running backs to ever play at that collegiate program, now transfers over to Old Miss, and I think he's going to be super successful there. You've got give Jordan Watkins. Give it to, oh, I thought you were going to go the other running back. Oh, sorry, man. One, one of the better names in college football, Ulysses Bentley the fourth. Yes. From SMU. Uh, Come on, dude. Yeah, Explosive I'll, comments. Bring it. <laughs> he oh, is an, another one, a, another massive, productive uh, running back. Uh, massively productive last year for the Mustangs there. Uh, Jordan Watkins, Jalen Robinson from UCF. They've brought in Mitchell, uh, Michael Trigg from USC as well. Mason Brooks, Western Kentucky, down in the trenches there. Like They have gone after it. And... I think all of this makes for really, really interesting offensive dynamic. We know that Lane Kiffin runs uh, an exciting offense there and, and can really put up points. Will all the pieces fall in? I don't know. That's part of the intrigue. That's what we want to see have happen here. I'm probably fading them as a program. I think if there's a bit of a theme that you hear from me this year in this preseason is that I'm relying on programs that have a bit more stability where head coach has been in place where I've got a quarterback coming back where I've got coordinators coming back all of that stuff I'm leaning on where we've got transfers that's coming explosive. in explosive that's like that's going chalk mate come on it is it is but it's it's the the commentary not the predictions my friend uh, I I, <laughs> I think that uh just the power of the the SEC West this year too is going to depress them a little bit. So whilst they are going to be must-watch, I don't have them really in the conversation for the conference title. Uh, and I think they're, they're probably down a couple of rungs from there. Yeah, I don't know. I think the offense was really good last year, obviously. And, and Matt Crow getting injured in the bowl game probably took the headline away at the end of the year of what was a really outstanding season for the Rebels. Uh I'm concerned about the transfer portal in that if you're using the transfer portal that much into the Lane Kiffin experience, does that mean recruiting has been down? Like, is that what we can surmise from that particular set of circumstances? That he hasn't got his guys there, so he's chasing tail hard. 
maybe maybe not i don't know like that's not for me to answer um so it's an interesting one though and they're not going real well in the recruiting game so far this season either uh so a little bit of work there to do for old miss in terms of just upping the talent now we know that uh lane kiffin's offense is going to mask over a lot of that and i think jackson dart has done himself a world of favors in terms of picking that school and that coordinator um the last thing i will say about well there's two more things i think the defense who got shredded last year what was the overtime game was that arkansas that went forever uh, and they came out on top on that one um but that 335 defense was scratchy at best and they just got picked apart they're gonna have to find some sort of pass rush um and also be able to stop the run. I mean, both of those things, but the run game just was, it looked like the box was so, so light all the time that teams were just lining up and moving um, the defender at the point of attack and, and they just had nothing. So I think the, that, that defense needs to get relooked. at. Lastly, though, I know you said they're not going to compete for the title, but their, their schedule is so soft early. I could see them being 8-0 without really blinking. Um, the meat of their schedule is down the back end and they could go eight and four. Uh, but, you know, they will be highly ranked early. They're not going to be... I don't know if they're preseason ranked. I'm assuming they're probably around the mark. Maybe not. But in the uh, championship draft, I might think about taking them early because I think they've gone... going to have a run on in the early part of the season. Yeah, right. Okay. And, and that's a good one from a punting standpoint to invest perhaps pre-season. And then after those eight games, you look to lay off that bet mm. and, and get out from underneath it and watch their odds from 100 to 1 or whatever they are at the moment into 20 to 1 and get, and get mm. yourself a nice, tidy little return. This could all go tits up though as well. So <laughs> need to be aware of that. Okay. The other big power maybe or emerging power, emerging member... I'm trying Ooh. to think of. Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm trying to think of something else that is slightly homoerotic. But Texas A&M, let's go down to College Station. Um, they have been flirting with being okay, good, great, potentially even division champs. But are they finally going to do more than be the upset team and actually go on and make this a legit run at winning? I mean, this is a really good question because they have been there. They, they've got the number one recruiting class in the bag now from, from last season. They carry that into this year. Those NIL, NIL deals aren't coming through, though, for the Aggies. They're not coming through. Checks aren't clearing. Don't know what's going on down there. The players are inked, mate. They're chained, They're chained up. They've got them under the stadium there. They'll, they'll be fine. Uh, but, but I just don't... They're still not in that Georgia-Alabama uh, conversation for mine yet. I think it, they're certainly on that trajectory. I think the D-line that they're forming itself is just insane <laughs> with, with what they have ahead of them. But that's going to take time. The guys that they bring in this year are not going to be stud... stud. I can, uh, I, I can just imagine you, like, their defensive line recruiting class all in like restless spandex and then you also in restless spandex just standing there next to them and uh just seeing how you go in a in a fight in a wrestling match with the uh, texas a&m recruiting class from last year yeah look what are those boys like 18 19 <laughs> i wouldn't break a sweat my friend 
140. Yeah, you'd go <laughs> a lot of squirrel grips. <laughs> oh, absolutely, off the bat. And then we'd, we'd, we'd see how they go. So, yeah, look, these guys, whilst supremely talented, they have some question marks too. So uh, we still don't know what's happening at the quarterback position with this group. Uh, Zach Calzada transferred out. Max King has transferred in from LSU. Uh, sorry, Max Johnson. Um, they have uh, Haynes King in there as well. Say, if you mix those two together, that'd be pretty good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely. That'd be good. But I'm not clear as to who's going to win that one uh, yet, and I think that's going to be a, a major storyline to follow throughout. Max Johnson's an intriguing one. Big lefty. Uh, mm. I think he had some... The South poor. Yeah, he had some of that NFL draft hype too because he is six foot six guy who can throw the ball the length of the field. But there's obviously more to it and, and he really needs to show some development, take a stranglehold of this job, win some games here to, to kind of play into that. Is it out of the realm of possibility? Absolutely not. He could do that. I just think we're asking a bit much. And I, I we've seen freshmen come in and have an impact early on. And, and I think if you've got that talent, it, it, it starts earlier these days. You don't need to have college experience to be to be a Jet. The, the, the Joe Burrows are not the norm. They're, they are certainly the exception. Yeah, I, I hate that. Uh, I think I've said this on on the sh- on the podcast before, but I hate that Max Johnson is now like a college quarterback because the reason I got into um, football was it started with the NFL pathway, and I'm a Buccaneers fan, and um, it just so happened coincidentally I didn't jump on the bandwagon, but I started following the Buccaneers when they won the Super Bowl, and and Brad Johnson, Max's father, was the quarterback for that team, and in the celebrations there is footage of. Brad Johnson holding his son, Max, who would have been all of about two. And I remember that vividly. And now he's just a grown-ass man. Um, but, yeah, I think that's a big question. But Jimbo Fisher is, a, you know, that quarterback guru or whatever. So I think he'll be fine. I think they've got more issues at the skill positions. Um, Anaya Smith, who was fantastic last year, speedy, uh, wide receiver kind of gadget, jet sweepy kind of do just get the ball like the classic like speed in space speed in space guy but just got done for uh driving on the influence and then some sort of gun charges as well so his status is actually in doubt you've in, got uh, in texas i believe he wasn't carrying a gun and that was yeah. what they got yeah. him for there or it wasn't loaded and like ready safety, to ch- safety was safety. on <laughs> yeah. yeah can't be having that devon a chain is the is the running back and and he's going to be good but it, this is not the year this is not the year for AM. that freshman class yes it will be good uh but not yet and you need to give these dudes time particularly when you're loading up on offensive and defensive line very rarely do you see defensive line sometimes on the edges you'll see them but coming straight out of high school giving them nine months in a strength and conditioning like there's just they're not physically um mature enough to be able to handle offensive linemen and they just haven't played the game they're not experienced enough so you're not going to see them come in here and just wreck house it just does not happen offensive and defensive line you're looking at third fourth fifth year guys that have the biggest impact so settle down uh if you're an aggies fan sit tight if you get to eight and four giddy up uh i could see that being a problem though even getting to that particular mark yes sir all right 
Now, we're going to have to blitz through the back end, although there's still some intriguing teams. Don't get me wrong. A lot that I still like, actually. Uh, let's go to one that's creating waves a little bit, has been down forever. I mean, I don't know actually how relevant they were. Yes, they won a national championship. Yes, they had Peyton Manning was their quarterback. But there's some excitement starting to generate around Rocky Top, and a lot of it is centered around Hendon Hooker as the quarterback transferred over from Virginia Tech, had a really good year last year. Is he the real deal? I still think the jury's out. I am not ready to anoint him. I think Josh Heupel has done a, a good job yep. uh, at, at elevating that offense. So he came into a program that has been constantly underachieving. They, they recruit well. They fill out a 110,000-seat stadium. They are a big-time football program that has not been playing big-time football. So he was able to almost double the scoring average in his first season there, up around 40 points a year. And Hendon Hooker was a big piece of that. He was ultra-efficient with uh, ball in hand, and he had some really big plays on top of that too that, that helped. My concern there is some of those big plays are difficult to replicate, and you don't want to be relying on these, these splash plays uh, of over 40 yards where they did really well last year because... It, it, it's difficult to replicate and, and teams can kind of take that away. You can, you can make teams kind of work underneath and I think that's where he really needs to show progression as a quarterback to, t to take it to the next level. He is a dual threat guy and, and I, I think that's always exciting at this level but what he really needs to take the next step to is some help up front. I think last year they had what was it, 44 sacks or something on the year. He was getting beat up a bit. They need to do better there. And, and if, if they can, he's, he's got a good platform there to really make some waves in the SEC here. Yeah, I think they're a bit of a preseason darling. Uh, and they've, had a, you know, they, they've got a bit of traction on the recruiting front for this cycle. Um, and I think a lot of people are kind of parlaying that recruiting momentum into believing that Hendon Hooker and, and that team is actually maybe a bit better than what they really are. Uh, the defense was terrible last year. Awful. They gave, they gave up over 400 yards every game. They To me, they're the biggest wait-and-see team in the conference. I don't have supreme confidence in Hendon Hooker and therefore I don't have supreme confidence in Tennessee he's in a favorable offense Josh Hyper we know was you know he learned over on the west coast and he was in and around some of those explosive Oregon offenses he's he looks like he's about three crumb sausages away from a heart attack but um <laughs> I still think uh, they they have got a lot to go here yeah and you know yes you mentioned pass protection the defense has to get to at least average but they also need someone like Brew McCoy, who was the big wide receiver recruit. Uh, had a weird, weird... Kind of, he was at USC, and then he sort of transferred, and he was a bit all over the shop. And then he was injured, but... And he beat you know, up his missus or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm good. Um, but they need him to come out of the woodwork and actually be good. Like, that has to happen, because um, otherwise it's Hendon Hooker and not much else. C Cedric Tillman. Yeah, he's he's solid. But effectively, it starts to look like a Louisville offense, right? Where it's like, we've got one dude. Yes. We've got Malik Cunningham and Tutu Atwell, and it's like, yeah. hold on to your hats. And I'm right there with you. It, it feels like that. It feels like they've got a guy who can do some stuff, but you need him to do everything. There's not the support there. Last year, like you mentioned, over 400 yards. They were 
averaged over 200 yards on the ground. Like they're just getting run on, and you can't have that. <laughs> you cannot have that. All right, uh, another tree, another intriguing team. I think this year is going to be LSU. Um, you've got Brian Kelly coming down from Notre Dame. They've 11 and 12 records since their national title. Can they get back into the conversation uh, in such a high expectation environment down there in Baton Rouge? I don't think I'm expecting immediate results with this Brian Kelly move down here. I think he is a good coach. He showed that at Notre Dame. You obviously didn't think so much of him there, but I think he's he's got the chops to, to get it done. This is LSU. They, they recruit well. They're, they're elite talent across the board. But they have been down the last couple of years and, and they took a major step back after winning that national championship and, and haven't yet recovered. And I don't see the reason that we should be expecting them to be able to compete with the top of the competition here. They are not as good as Alabama and LSU. I'd have Texas A&M above them at the moment and I think they then sit in that pool with, with other teams there and, and they're going to lose some games to some good teams. They don't have... Uh, a settled player at the quarterback position. So they've got Newsmere, Miles Brennan, and uh, and Jaden Daniels has come across, who personally, one of my favourites from Arizona State there. I think if he can get the job, the, these guys become more intriguing for me. But I, I just think that they don't have any consistency at, at any of these key positions that you want to have there that there's so much turnover and change with the new program coming in that yes they've got all this talent in the world but it's going to take some time to get cooking down there it ain't happening straight away i don't see this team jumping and and getting around 10 wins like yes they're they're going to be a bowl team but it's going to be in that seven to eight win bracket for mine I hope they play football better than Brian Kelly dances. I don't know if oh. you've seen that in the recruiting stuff. Oh, that was that's so a tough bad. watch. It's, it's, it's a tough watch. I think I think you've missed out on one player who is maybe my favorite receiver. I think I was on the Smith and Jigba bandwagon early, so I kind of got to stay there. But Kayshawn Boutte is one of my absolute favorites at LSU. He was fantastic last year. He just looks like one of those dudes who is a step above everybody else on the field. Um, I was thinking, like, I mean, you can pick a lot of dudes from last year's class, but certainly in that kind of different player to Devonde Smith, he's longer and taller and, and a different operator. But just when he's out there, it's like this is boys and men kind of set up here. Yeah, uh, listeners should take note to this because you do have a good knack for nailing the, like the, these up and coming receivers. I mean, he's not really an up and comer. No, he, he carries a bit of name, but they they tend to take it to another level once you've anointed them. So, oh, there we go. There you go. I'm happy if I can get something right. Uh, I'll, I'll try on defense as well because I think they should be okay. LSU's defense should be much much better. I know they lose Eli Ricks. I know that Derek Stingley's gone as well, and you and you now bring in a back six that's full of transfers but you on the defensive line you've got rising star mason smith one of the best interior defensive linemen recruits of, of his class so he should be really i mean he's two years in now so we'll see how he develops um you got bj Ojulari as well on the outside so he should be able to get some some pressure uh, linebacker yeah they're a bit light on running back and the o-line might take a minute as well um and I, I just, I, I tend to agree. Like quarterback, again, like I said at the top, SEC teams have got quarterback battles. That's the case. I think a lot of them are seven-win teams. They're another one. And the reason for that is this is a conference where weaknesses get exposed. 
And this is also a division where even having a weakness, even if you don't exploit it, might be enough to just drop a game. So LSU are definitely going to do that and middling, middling, I think, as an SEC team. But we'll see what Brian Kelly can do in year one. There you have it. All right, let's get to one of my favorites from last year, the Arkansas Razorbacks. A couple of absolutely outstanding performances last year. A nine-win team. Have they raised the bar in Fayetteville? Well, I think that's not hard for them to do, to be quite honest. Between 2015 and 2019, the team won nine SEC games. So for them to win nine last year is obviously a massive step in the right direction. Your boy Sam Pittman there has really got them on a good trajectory, and I think it continues. I think there's a lot to be really optimistic about with this program, and it starts with KJ Jefferson at the quarterback position. Now, I don't think he's one of the most proficient passers in the league, but he is certainly uh, a gamer in that he can win games himself through his dynamic ability to run the football, to make plays on the run with his arm. Uh, He has some massive play potential. The big concern that they have, though, is the loss of do-it-all wide receiver Traylon Burks, who was massive for them. He was one of those guys that you mentioned just now about like a man amongst boys. It felt that way in the SEC West last year at times, that when he was on the field, he couldn't be stopped. So that's a big, it's a big hole that they need to fill. Except by asthma. I mean, that seems to be giving him some grief (laughs) in uh, training camp or, you know, he just wants a bit of a break. (laughs) Guy had a heavy workload last year. That's probably fair enough. Um, So in order to fill that hole, they've gone out uh, and brought in a couple of transfers. So Jaden Hazelwood out of Oklahoma and Matt Landers from Toledo. Uh, I think those guys inject some competition there. They do have Warren Thompson uh, and Ketron Jackson uh, all competing here. And and there's going to be opportunity in this Pittman offense with uh, KJ doing his thing to, to really make things exciting there. On the other side of it, I think defensively, Arkansas have done a good job as well. So... Um, whilst they gave up nearly 30 points uh, a game last year, it's massively improved on what they've had. And and that was a big step, and I think they've got that in them again with what they've got here. Uh, There are concerns that they lost a lot there, uh, and that Barry Odom, the defensive coordinator, has again gone back to the portal to fill some of that stuff with Landon Jackson coming across from LSU, which is helpful. Drew Sanders at, uh, at... Alabama, um, then they've brought in some defensive backs from LSU and Georgia as well. seems like they're just pillaging the SEC, which is interesting. Um, They're having to plug some holes there, but as as I said off the start, Pittman has done a good job there. I think the biggest concern that they'd have is a tough out-of-conference schedule could be what what really damages this brand from taking a full step forward there and and continuing on. They've got BYU, which is going to be a tough out, and they've got Cincinnati. Both of those guys on top of your SEC West schedule don't make for too many easy matchups amongst there, and and you really need things to go your way to even make it bowling uh, in, in this program. So I do believe the bar is raised, but... That's because I still consider, I'm still thinking Arkansas football, the trash program that it was for for quite some time. Don't disagree too much with that one. I think 
the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to is how Kendall Bryles, the offensive coordinator, makes adjustments now. So it was it was KJ Jefferson leading the run game and then getting Traylon Burks in these one-on-one matchups and just giving him opportunities on the outside, and he made the most of those. Slightly different, Jaden Hazelwood, not as big, not many are, um, and probably not the physical receiver, quite the physical receiver that, that Traylon Burks is. So it'll be interesting to see how that... Uh, comes to fruition moving forward like you said the defense at three two six defense um, is an interesting is an interesting setup but it's going to be tough to have that repeat performance they're not sneaking up on anyone this year um, and I think if they can get to seven wins I think you go yep take that if you're a pig nation-y guy if you're a pig um, you just you take that and you move on and then hope the schedule opens up a little more next year definitely pushing on let's go to Auburn who I don't really have a great take on Auburn another team with quarterback questions but more importantly will Harson make it out of this season oh, so newly in you mentioned it earlier in the program a lot of heat already uh, behind him uh, they had a five-game losing streak to end the season last year, which does not help when football is life to take that into the off-season. Uh, they had some drama uh, following that as well. So it, it's been difficult for him. And I, I'm concerned that there's no quick turnaround here in what is going to be an up year for a lot of other programs in the SEC West. I see them really at the bottom there. I see them as really struggling to make themselves out. I think last year they couldn't score. They only averaged something like 17 points a game across those last five contests there, which is not what you want to see. You want to see some some progression. And then on the flip side, you think, we got rid of Bo Nix. Fantastic. Like, Fantastic. We've got rid of him. But then addition by subtraction. Who do you add into the mix? Zach Calzada? That doesn't do a blind one armed monkey. TJ Finley? He's a big dude. He's a big dude. But these guys, I don't know. I'm just none of them are Bo Nix. That is for sure. (laughs) None of them are Bo Nix. I think Tell you what your job is. If you're one of those boys, turn around and hand the ball off to Tank Bigsby. That's your job. Get the ball from the center to Tank Bigsby and get out of the way. I mean, that's that's a good game plan. When you have that, when you have four returning linemen uh, on a group that needs to improve, but will, with with some age and strength, uh, I think you've nailed it there. He's the man. He's the centerpiece here. But as I mentioned, I, th- I think this is the worst team in the SEC West, and I have concerns for the Harson family if they've invested heavily in property down in uh, Alabama there. Uh, I don't disagree. Uh, I think I actually see a lot of similarities between this experience at Auburn and the Mike Norvell experience at Florida State. Just felt like the timing of this was all wrong. They can't get things all paddling in the same direction. Um, It feels like Harson has been kind of manipulated or undermined even within the building like itself. Uh, The admin haven't fully fully built bought into his experience so but having said all that if he's a good coach if he is a good coach and maybe he's a good coach and you actually can't overcome what he's trying to overcome here but i think if he's good he gets this team to a bowl game or very close to it they're currently um you know on a five game losing stretch sorry five season with with a losing record so they're not going well at all here auburn i think if he can get them bowling 
then I think he's okay. The schedule is not too bad. They host the first five games of the year. Um, and after that, things get tough. So they really need to be 4-1 and one at that point. But that includes hosting Penn State and LSU. Again, if they can get through those, if they can split those two and then win the rest, you know, he's, he's two games away the rest of the way of getting to that bowl game. And I think that would be, it should be enough to save him. It probably won't, but it should be enough to save him. Okay. There you have it. We're getting into the dregs. Well, not quite the dregs, but we're not too far off here. So let's stay above board with some with some quality, Ooh, maybe. Um, certainly an intriguing team in Mississippi State. Yes, And, okay. and I'm probably un- undervaluing them a little bit. I don't know why. Uh, I think, you know, the Dan Mullen Mississippi State was frisky. Uh, and the Mike Leach version started off incredibly well and then have fallen in a bit of a hole. But is this his most talented team in terms of not even just here, but at Wazoo, at a Texas Tech? You know, is this Mike Leach's best team he's ever had? I think it is. I think there's a good case to be made that it is. I think this Mississippi State team is one that I'm quite bullish on this year. I think they're going to be successful uh, above and beyond what the the common perception is of this group at the moment. I think that's on the back of Mike Leach continuing to get his brand in. I think that takes a little bit of time to, to take up. And the fact that they have the majority of the starting crew from last year back again, that they've got... Mo- most of their production back on deck we've got will rogers uh who was extremely successful uh for spurts last year i I think we're going to see a lot of 500 yard games from the guy this year Uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes and then on the flip side defensively these guys are much better than most of Mike Leach's previous teams that he's had. Like they've they've always had some serious issues defensively. It's like yeah, I was gonna say not through any like they're gonna take step back after this year because he doesn't recruit defense. So this is the holdovers. Correct. Uh, from it, Joe it is. Moorhead and stuff like that. And, so. and that's why I see this as like a perfect little year for them to really show out because they have some guys who can really play and they don't need to be like yeah we'll give up forty but we're gonna score sixty. So, like they're going to still try and score 60, but I expect this defense to be able to hold teams down and, and to really flourish this year. And whilst they'll be on the field probably more than other programs would be, like like a Georgia, like it's just purely because there's going to be more points scored. Um, I think that this team here is one to watch out for. They're going to cause uh, some mischief. They're going to have an upset, a big upset across the year at some point. I think they're going to be really good. And I even think that, you know, the co- nine, ten wins for this program is not out of the conversation. Don't disagree that it's not out of the conversation. I just think they've got the biggest variance of any team in the SEC. Like, if, if things go wrong for Mike Leach, which we've seen his teams and himself as a human being sort of capitulate at times during seasons, and his press conferences are a really fun watch when that starts happening. So I could see them winning four or five. But again, I could see them winning nine or ten as well. And a lot of that comes down to his offense. I think they actually need, this is going to sound ridiculous, but they need more out of the passing game. They was they were like last in the country in yards per pass attempt. And I know you're going to get that in an air raid offense, but the explosive plays there just weren't there last year. And it's I know you're, you're passing as a, as a substitute for the run game in lots of ways, but you've got to get those explosive plays as well. And they just sort of didn't happen last year as much. I think, again, you're going to get into a situation where 
Um, they're they're gonna, probably going to win seven games again. And just another team winning seven games. I need to see, I think, again, more from the past game, more turnovers, more Havoc plays on the defensive side and, and give themselves a short field every now and again, put up more points. But another seven-win team for me. Okay. South Carolina, sneaky, gaining some traction here in the media around, you know, are they going to be any good? Can they improve on last year? And last year was okay. They finished with a better record than Florida, LSU, and Auburn, which is pretty crazy, really. They finished with a winning record. And you now look at the situation and, you know, since almost like Jadavian Clowney was at South Carolina, it feels like the Gamecocks have been really, really average so is this the year? Have they got enough beef to get this thing done? Well, that to me is the biggest concern that they've got. So I, I like what Shane Beam has got cooking here. I think he's done a good job to uh, turn this program in and generate a bit of excitement because there hasn't been a lot of excitement there. I think Will Muschamp sucked all the excitement out of the place and they've been a tough one to really get around in terms of showing out and doing anything that uh, is really noteworthy but now Shane Beamer is really getting something going there and you bring in Spencer Rattler you're automatically taking things to another level and and be it good or bad we're not sure yet but it's going to be multiplied because he is a bit of a lightning rod there so I think that uh, it's a it's a good landing spot for him because he's going to have an opportunity to really live up to what were quite lofty expectations early on. It gets a bit of a clean slate here, and, and he can really have a crack at that. The The concern that you mentioned in, in the question there is, do they have the beef? And, and that is the one thing that could potentially hold him back and really be the thorn in their side there is, do they have the offensive lineman to protect him? They were only able to uh, rush the ball at, at less than four yards of carry last year. Can't be having that. You need to get some push. You need the run game to be able to support your quarterback there. They gave up way too many sacks on the year too. Uh, and then defensively, they were they were giving up over 175 yards rushing on the ground too. You need, you need to be able to stop the run. You need to be able to run the ball. You need to be able to stop the run. Uh, if we can't see some progression with these guys here, then they're going to get pushed around uh, in, in the SEC here. And... They have some tough crossover matchups in the East where they've got A&M, they've got Arkansas, uh, they, they play Clemson as well out of conference in, in that annual matchup there. So for them to get back to that seven-win mark, it's going to be difficult, but I, I think they're on the right track and, and it's very much something that I expect them to do. I could see them being this year's version of Arkansas, not getting mm-hmm. to as many wins, but certainly sneaking up on people, playing a tough brand, slightly different. Obviously, you don't have an offensive line coach as, as your head man, but wouldn't surprise me. Again, it, it comes down to Spencer Rattler and how much That's he's cool. going to destroy your team. But I think, you know, can they be that team that sort of scratches around, makes life tough for people, maybe gets out the gate really well? Um, I, I, whether the, whether or not they get bowling, I think they probably, again, another seven-win team, but I think they are a big upset somewhere. I think they do that real nasty jag someone that they shouldn't. People are like, oh, crap, now we've got to sit up and take notice. And it probably you know may not go anywhere, but I think they're getting back, which is good because they, they had a couple of moments where they were handy. They'll, back, they'll beat Texas A&M. There you have it. I like it. Don't hate that. Go Cox. All right. Uh, Missouri. So we've got two teams to run here. Let's get to the Tigers. What's the bigger concern, the hole at quarterback or the defensive unit? These guys have been disappointing. 
Yes, and can I say both? Because the, they are massive concerns, uh, and, and I think this program is, is really struggling a little bit. So my boy Connor Bazelak upped and, and left, dipped on out of there, uh, and that's that's massive massive warning signs for me and and this program so Eli Drinkwitz uh is a tough gig going into Missouri and but it's year three right if this is the year if it's going to start happening a bit like Harson at Auburn like it has to start happening otherwise he's just a dead man walking Absolutely, and I just don't see where it's going to come from. So you lose Bazelak, you lose Tyler Batty, who uh, that, that was your production offensively there. You've got to replace that now. You've got question marks at quarterback. There, there's no stud that you're bringing in that you can at least point to and go, yeah, this guy's got a bit of experience. I know what I've got here. There's, it just ain't happening there. And then defensively, uh, they were pretty pretty poor last year, and I expect that to to continue again massive turnover uh with only four starters uh coming across from from that group it, it, it's it's not pretty for missouri i think they're going to struggle this year and i think uh Drinkwitz is is on borrowed time ouch yeah i of of all the teams i don't think these guys are making that step up you know we've talked about south carolina doing that um Kentucky have been doing that. Mississippi State look okay this year. Arkansas have pushed up into the middle of the conference and are a tough team. Tennessee making a bit of a step up. Missouri's not one of those teams. Um, quarterback questions. And and Eli Drinkwitz again. Like, I just feel sorry for all those guys that moved in in that that year, in that particular cycle. COVID smashed them. They've, they've struggled to gain any traction, any momentum, both recruiting, even within their own you know school and in their own building it's really really it's been really hard for them so i do feel um for those guys because i just i don't think they've been given a fair shake but it is what it is and at some stage you need to be able to turn that around is this year for missouri no it is not last team let's get to the doors vanderbilt well this was the worst d in the sec last year things were really really rough but is there any light at the end of this deep dark black i was gonna say engorged but not it is not engorged because it is a very narrow tunnel tough to get through and uh vandy is stuck with in in the depths of it so is is there any way that they're kind of going to turn this thing around in year one or maybe not well i I just can't see it like uh, they're still so far back that you can't see that light yet. And it, it is small steps, right? You, you need to have some small wins. So if you look at Kansas last year, they're a similar program, right? That they've been bad for a very long time and you don't know when they're going to get out of it. They had a big win over a Texas program. They, they, they got a couple of wins last year and at least you kind of, you've made a step in the right direction. You can then follow that up with another big win and a couple more wins to build on that oh, Vanderbilt are right back from the start of this and Clark Lee is like I give him all the credit in the world for taking on the gig he was uh, an alum there he was a coordinator at Notre Dame and was considered to be you know one of a really really appealing coordinators for a number of jobs he's gone on to take this job and, and it ain't an easy one so he's come out and he said that he wants to make Vanderbilt the best football program in college football like you are starting from the bottom uh, and and they're still there so I think you, you mentioned the defense 35 points a game you can't be having that uh, they need a 
jag their way through the outer conference. So Hawaii, Northern Illinois, yep, knock those two off. They've got Wake Forest at home. <sighs> tricky. <laughs> tricky. Very tricky. Wake should be pretty good this year. I believe Wake will be good this year, so very tricky there. Uh, and then you've got your, your SEC schedule. I, I just... I wish them all the best, but I don't see where it's coming from. Will they beat their two wins from last year? I think they'll equal it. Oof. I guess, yeah, you know, they're coming from deep. What you want to see is competitiveness. You want to see them fight. You want to see them get within scores of teams. And I know that sounds like it's uh, moral victories, and that's not what it is, but you've got to lose close before you can win. And they're not even losing close, so... Now, you know, that it just takes a little bit of time to get to that point. Um, so good luck to Vandy. Good luck to Clark Lee because we want them to be good. We do. All right. Uh, before we go, just a quick reminder, your SEC champion is... Alabama. And I would tend to agree. Set for a really interesting, balanced year outside of probably Alabama and Georgia in the East in terms of... I don't think Georgia, if they're in the West, would win, but... They're looking like the two favourites at the moment um, in their particular divisions. However, everything after that, really interesting. So your prediction for most surprising. So in that next level down, who do you think is going to surprise the most? Hey, good question. Whilst you're thinking about that, I'm going to say Mississippi State for me. Yeah. I, I, I mean, not a, bad, not a bad shout. I just don't trust Mike Leach consistently to, to get things done. Uh, I'd I'd say Arkansas again, but are they sneaking up on anybody? They got a tough schedule. Ooh, I mean, yeah, probably Mississippi State. Uh, no, I'm actually I'm going to go Old Miss. I'm going to say they're going to get off to that really good start, soft schedule, um, and then you've got a really high powered offense. Give me Old Miss. Cool. All right, that brings us to the end of our SEC preview episode. Um, if you do like us, well, you don't even have to like us, but if you want to give us money, please do. But on top of that, um, please follow along at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CFB Down Under. Actually, Facebook, you haven't put much up there recently, so you need a lift on that front. Um, but please do follow us along on social medias. We're part of the Vault Studio podcast. Join those boys there. And, of course, Burnley Brewing. Unless you've got anything else, William? I do not. Perfect. My name's Aaron, that's Will, and we will see you next time. 